0: Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with Come know ye that the Lord, he is God. Is he Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. For the Lord is good His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations This is the word of God for us the people of God Amen Before I begin, can we all agree not to talk about football today? (laughs) Thank you for your sympathy. Um, Psalm 100, it's uh, been around a long, long time. Perhaps the most familiar of the songs are psalms of praise. James Mays observed were the statistics known, Psalm 100 would prove to be would probably prove to be the song most often chanted from within the history of our tradition, from the temple on Mount Zion, years and years and years ago, to the synagogues and churches spread around the globe. Psalm 100, a lot of folks can begin to recite it. They understand it as soon as they hear that. And the appeal of Psalm 100 may lie in its brevity, And in its simplicity, it has an instructional tone to it. And folks seem to like that, something easy to follow, something to remind us of how we might tune our lives to the praise of God. The lesson itself is remarkably simple in the song, yet deeply profound. God rules the world, and consequently, we belong to God. This message lies not only at the heart of the book of Psalms, but also at the heart of Jesus' preaching and teaching in the whole of Scripture. In a quite different context, the Apostle Paul speaks to this. He had essentially the same lesson when he wrote, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. We're not our own. It's a difficult lesson to get across in a culture where we want to think that we are self-made women and self-made men. Most of us believe the popular notion or the popular saying, it's my life to live. Most of us would probably sing along if we could with the late Frank Sinatra when he sings, I did it my way. That's important. We want to do it our way. The Bible insists, however, that our lives are not simply our own to live. We shouldn't have the final say. Genuine life is found in submission to God. In biblical terms, to live is to praise God, and to praise God is to live. Klaus Westermann put it like this. He said, anything or anyone other than God, if we praise anything or anyone other than God, then our life is over with. It must finally destroy itself. And from the perspective of Psalm 100, Walter Brueggemann called it this. He said, obviously, our world is at the edge of insanity, and with it, inhumaneness is developed scientific enterprise. Greed is celebrated as economic advance. Power runs unbridled to destructiveness. In a world like ours, this psalm is simply an act of sanity whereby we may be reclothed in our rightful minds. You remember when Jesus healed a man and the scripture said he was reclothed in his right Mind it's a standard line in some of our older hymns. we clothe us in our rightful minds. Life is no longer self grounded without thanks, but motivated in giving thanks, thanks to God. Brueggemann cites another scholar, Jeffrey Wainwright, who has pointed out something that I believe is undoubtedly true. The world is not an easy place in which to live doxologically. Remember doxology, we sing that sometimes when we receive our hymn. Doxology is an outburst of praise and joy. Throughout scripture, there are different examples of doxology. So we talk about living doxologically and as difficult as it may be to live that way, it is paramount importance that we don't praise anyone Or anything above our God It leads to disturbance and and destruction So at this point Psalm 81 Offers the same instructions as Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 And many others that you'll take a look at To be happy means submission to God Openness to God To an autonomous self no longer A wicked life leads only to ruin The psalmist would say in the Reformed tradition. And there are churches we know of, maybe you've been part of churches that have come out of that Reformed tradition across the years. Psalm 100 is treasured. It's uh, fitting that it's instructional in the catechism that's used in, in some of these traditions, some of these denominations. It's the first question, it involves the first question in the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Question, what is the chief end of humankind? Answer. The chief end of humankind is to glorify God and enjoy God forever. Psalm 100, that's a little background on the psalm. And I've always in the Thanksgiving season thought about Psalm 100. It always comes to mind when I think of what should our topic be, what should our scripture lesson be on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, often Psalm 100 just bumps up to the top of the list. There was a time when I could recite it by heart. I think I can most of it now. One of my favorite psalms, and I remember back in my school days, years and years and years and years ago, there would be someone in class who would read Psalm 100 right before Thanksgiving, right before we got a Thanksgiving break. And in churches and in youth groups and elsewhere, Psalm 100 and Thanksgiving, they just go together. It's hard to separate the two in my own mind. Psalm 100. Top of the list this time of year. Serve the Lord with gladness. Now the second part of that phrase reads, come before his presence with singing. Except in my Bible, there's a line drawn through that second part. It says, come before his presence with singing, except for Charles Robinson, and he needs to find another way to praise God. And I understand that, and I'm not the only one here, most likely. Now, in order for this to continue, this message to continue, I'm going to have to ask for your indulgence with a few of my homemade or made-up words. I like to make up words. Sometimes I make up words to keep from saying words that I shouldn't be saying. And I thought maybe at some time I'll make up an entire language, and no nouns or verbs or grammar or anything. That's too complicated. But I'm still working on that. But. Indulge me if you will as I come across some of these words. Let's think about serve the Lord with gladness for a while what it means what it what it doesn't mean we serve the Lord with gladness and not with badness. I know that's not a real word, but bear with me. If we're saying and doing things within the body, within ourselves, within the body of Christ the church, that are hurtful or hateful or destructive, then it's questionable. As to and be clear about it, like the old Bob Dylan song says, you've got to serve somebody. And I just happen to have a few of those lyrics that I will share with you. Um, you may remember the song. Certainly most folks remember the name Bob Dylan. I think he's still around. He said, you may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You might be a rock and roll addict prancing on the stage. You might have drugs at your command, people in a cage. You may be a businessman or some high degree thief. They may call you doctor, they may call you chief, but you gotta serve somebody. You may be a construction worker working a home, you may be living in a mansion, or you might live in a dome. You might own guns, you might even own a tank, you might be somebody's landlord, you might even own a bike you're going to have to serve somebody and it's so important who we serve I think we can all agree we have to serve somebody somebody is sort of calling the shots and who is it you got to serve somebody from the Sermon on the Mount Jesus words that were later referred to as the golden rule do unto others she would have them do unto you who are we serving Serve the Lord with gladness, not with fadness. We've all known, folks, and maybe ourselves at times, maybe too often, we seem to flit from one all-consuming life purpose to another. Whatever the current rage is, we want to buy into that. We want to be defined by that. I need to quit serving in this area for a while, some people say. I'm burned out. And it always makes me want to say, not always, but sometimes I want to say to some folks, and maybe you do too, how in the world can you be burned out? You've never been on fire. Burnout can be real, but more often than not, it doesn't come from working too hard or too much as it comes from doing things we don't enjoy, things we're not gifted for, things that are difficult for us and we want to put off or we want to wait. But when we work within the gifts God has given us, then then burnout seems to to stay away from us. Serve the Lord with gladness, not with hadness. One of my grandparents' favorite expressions when I was growing up was much obliged. And maybe you've heard that expression. I don't hear it a lot anymore. Much obliged. I'm obligated to you. If anyone did anything for one of them, that's how they would respond. And the truth is they didn't want to be obliged or obligated or indebted to anybody. I think that's why they never mastered the art of receiving a gift. They were so hard to find things for. And don't we all know folks who are serving the Lord because they have to do so. What would be the consequences if I don't do this? It's expected of me. What would be consequences here and eternally if I don't serve the Lord? So we do it out of a sense of, well, I have to. And aren't most of these folks motivated by fear rather than by joy? Serve the Lord with gladness, not with madness. Have you ever run across somebody in a church, perhaps? Maybe a layperson, maybe a lay leader, maybe a, a staff person, who always seems to have a scowl on their face, always seems disgruntled about something, always seems to have a complaint that comes out before anything else. Somebody who always seems to be angry, maybe angry at God, maybe angry at someone in their family, maybe it's somebody in their church family. Maybe this person is bitter at how life is turning out to be. Maybe they're frustrated because God hasn't called them in a different direction from the one they're going and the one they think they ought to be going. Maybe there's frustration. Maybe one is ticked off because one did not get one's way on a particular issue. How effective can we be in serving a God of grace and a God of glory if we're filled with anger? How does that work? Serve the Lord with gladness, not with sadness. If you are a Christian... Serving the Lord of life and love, she said. Somebody needs to tell your face. Down in the mouth, servants seldom attract anyone else to the faith. They might attract other down in the mouth folks, but to attract joyous folks to the faith and not to say that there aren't serious issues to be addressed there always are there's a heaviness of life that will weigh on all of us from time to time life does get heavy but if the lord god of heaven and earth has called you to serve and if that same god loves us enough to offer an only son to die for us And if God has promised that nothing can separate us from that great love, then why let sadness rule our hearts all the time? Know that the Lord is God. God made us. We're God's people. The sheep of God's pasture. Walk through the gate with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. That's the only way to get in. So why not? Bless God's name. God is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. I want to praise God for all the faithful servants in Noonan First United Methodist Church who are serving the Lord with gladness. You've seen and heard from some of them this morning. You've heard the glorious music in this place, the voices, the instruments. And look all around you, the folks who brought these coats, many of you. And the folks, will be delivering them to those in need in so many ways that we have here of making a difference. And I'm blessed to be able to see that so many days in so many ways every week. But sometimes I get caught up in it and I forget to say thank you. So thank you, those of you here who've chosen to serve the Lord with gladness. And if it's one of these other things, we can pray with you. You can pray about that. And we can realize how good God has been to us. So thank you for all that you do to make this church alive and vital and strong in this community across the years, going on 200 years in just a short while. And for the great days that we have yet to come. Thank you that you care that you give, that you love, and that you live so many ways for God through this church. I'm grateful for you. I appreciate you. Serve the Lord with gladness. And ask yourself, why would anyone want to do it any other way? Amen.